0: It's summertime, so let's go to the beach. Get ready for a complete review of Beach Volley, plus a roundup of Amiga news and community events on Amigos, Everything Amiga.
1: Hi
0: everybody, welcome to Amigos, I'm John. And I'm Bill, also known as Amiga Bill. That's right. And today, Bill, we are going to talk about Beach Volley. Now, Bill, uh, I brought you in off the Amiga bench today because uh, (laughs) our our faithful friend, Amigo Aaron, he's taking care of some family business, uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll get a a full report when he returns. So uh,
1: thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it, man. Oh, well, it's an honor to be here, Boat. I'm big fans of the Amigos. You know, over on my stream, I talk about you guys all the time. And uh, yeah, it's an honor. It's it's, uh, it's big shoes to fill, but um, I'm glad I'm here. I could jump in and, you know, I'm wishing Aaron the best uh, with his family. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you grew up in New York. It's pretty close to the beach, right? How close do you live to the beach, Bill? I can get to a really nice beach, like Atlantic Ocean Beach, in 45 minutes. Uh, but the, we go, my wife and I, we go to the beach, we try and go to the beach like once a week. And we go to like a smaller private one down in Jersey, and that one's about an hour 15. Okay, so pretty close. Comparatively speaking, it takes me about
0: between seven and eight hours to get to the beach from where I am. So when you were a Ute, did you ever get down with some beach volleyball?
1: Oh, yeah. I love beach volleyball and also like a little bit of like pool volleyball because I had a pool in my backyard when I was oh, a kid. Man. So, yeah so we had a little like pool volleyball and actually there's a beach really close to where I live It's not in the Atlantic Ocean but it's in the Long Island Sound it's on the Long Island Sound and it's a really nice beach but it's like hardcore they have like beach volleyball tournaments there and actually one of my wife's friends is really good at beach volleyball and she plays there. Wow but, yeah now, yeah you know
0: I don't I only know of beach volleyball from what I've seen on Top Gun. That's really where my beach volleyball begins and ends. So it seems like if you're playing beach volleyball, there's nobody that kind of looks like me a little bit tubby. You got to be fit. You got to be toned. Is that true?
1: I think so. I think so. I think, you know, you got to be, it's a lot of um, a lot of physical activity happening there. A lot of calories burned. Yeah. Uh, lots of tan skin, you know, it's, it's like, it reminds me of like Muscle Beach on Venice Beach. There. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, that's, yeah, that's right.
0: Now, yeah. you, you know, I'm sure that you've shot um, different films and things on, in beach locations before. How do you get around the fact that sand gets in
1: everything? Oh, you can't get around it, unfortunately. It's absolutely brutal. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll put like underwater housing on the camera that helps protect it from the sand a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's basically, you know, you also you rent equipment. Don't bring your own camera to the beach. <laughs> rent it. Um, but yeah, I actually shot all the. We had a, a really bad hurricane here uh, several years ago called Hurricane Sandy, and it totally devastated the New Jersey shore. And I'm uh, super honored I got to shoot like the restore the shore PSAs. Oh and wow! So I sh- yeah I shot on the beach all the way down from Cape May all the way up to Sandy Hook, which is like the entire coastline of New Jersey, and. Uh, uh there was, it was crazy. Because, and I we are go into like filmmaking and whenever I, I, whenever I hang out with you, but we always start talking about filmmaking, but <laughs> can't we can't get shooting... away from it. I love it. No, no. But you know, Jersey shore is, it's a big, it's a big deal in the summertime. So, but we have to shoot the commercials way before, way before the summer. Cause you need time to edit. So we were shooting in April and it was cold. I mean, we were so cold on the beach. It was probably, it probably like maxed out at like 47 degrees. I don't now, know what that is in Celsius, but it's cold. What is and the, we had... oh, go ahead. Uh, and we had so like all like these we had all these kids and like all these families on the beach and they supposed to, it's supposed to be like a bright sun, uh, fun like summer day. And meanwhile, like like off to the side, like they were like wrapped up in blankets and then I would set up the shot but we'd have like all the PAs like stand in, I'd know where everyone's standing and I'd be like, All right, go and then <laughs> And like the blankets would come off and like they would run out and pretend they'd be pretend like, it's yay. summer, go. Yeah. they like, yay. And then they would be like, then the director's like, cut and they're just like, Shh. they run out of there and it's like, boom, back to the blankets. Now, are there,
0: you know, <laughs> when you talk about the, the, the beaches on the Jersey Shore, me not being from Jersey or anywhere close to that, I always think about the TV show, you know, Jersey Shore. Do different beaches have different personalities? Like if you go to the Hamptons versus the Jersey beaches,
1: is it a different scene? It's a totally different scene. And even beaches on the Jersey Shore line differ. There's all kinds of different ones. You know, the ones that stick out for me, like Cape May is, like, pretty chill. It's kind of more along the lines of, like, the Hamptons. Hamptons are in New York State out in Long Island, and it's very, like, upper class. Mm. Um, And it's uh, it's pretty incredible out there, really beautiful. Um, But then you have, like, Atlantic City, which is really cool. That's a whole different vibe because there's casinos there and then you've got more of like the the middle like the jersey shore stuff which is kind of like <laughs> kind of like the show but there's there's uh you know, plenty of like normal people there as well. Um and then there's like for example I love I love a place called Asbury Park, home of oh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. That's right. Green. Yeah. Also yeah, also home of VCF East. Ooh. So one of the cool yeah, yeah, one of the cool things we do at VCF East is on Saturday night or sometimes even Friday night, we head to Asbury Park and there's this really amazing arcade right on the boardwalk called Silverball Arcade, mm-hmm. actually Silverball Arcade Museum. And they have an incredible uh, selection of like pinball games and arcade machines, and it's like one of my favorite places on the planet. It's just such a great vibe to like be in the arcade, playing pinball, playing video games with all your Amiga and retro friends, and then having like a beautiful beach. It's just an awesome setting. So the beach is very, and then you go all the way north, and there's a place called Sandy Hook, which is the northernmost beach in New Jersey. And at Sandy Hook, it's a, it's like a national park. So it's very, it's non-commercial at all and that's why my wife and I like going there it's it, when you're there you feel like you're in a park and uh it's it's not as convenient like you have to like park your car and you have to walk like really far to get to the ocean uh but it's it's absolutely gorgeous and then there's a, an ocean side for the Atlantic ocean and there's a, a bayside so it's it, they're both very different ocean has got the bigger waves the bayside has got more like marshlands but still beautiful um so there's like really awesome variety of beaches here for us so to go to you're saying
0: that bcf east it's in new jersey but it's in it's in asbury park it's near it's near the
1: ocean yeah well technically it's in wall township new jersey but it's right next to asbury See, park. i always so, thought because yeah,
0: my, my impression of new jersey is only like just driving up 95 so not favorable <laughs> <laughs> it's my impression no. of new jersey so you're saying that if i attend bcf east in the future my opinion of new jersey might be changed for the better
1: I, I know it will be changed for the better. You know we can hit the stone pony, check out some good bands. Yeah. You know throw throw back some brewskis, head over to Silver Ball Arcade, play some games. You know maybe maybe we'll do a little beach volleyball ourselves there on the beach. But that sounds <laughs> great, Bill. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, man.
0: Let's talk about beach volleyball. All right, Bill. Beach Volley. This is a, uh, this is, well, it is what it says on the 10. This is a beach volleyball game. Uh, It was developed by Ocean France uh, for the Amiga and released by Ocean Software in 1989. Uh, It's a one-disc game that runs on ECS OCS Amigas and was written in assembly language. Uh, Its original purchase price, this was a full, full full-price game, 24 pounds, 99p. Uh, do you remember back in the day in this time period, in the you know the late '80s when you when you first got your Amiga? What were you paying for games back then, Bill? Oh man,
1: well I wasn't paying anything because my dad bought them for
0: me. So. <laughs> you were part of the problem, weren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, my, no, no, not really. My dad was like, he was my dad was really big into like supporting the things that you like, so mm. we bought a lot of games. My dad would buy me a lot of games. Of course, I copied games as well with my friends back then i didn't really have a concept of that so right. it was, oh, yeah. for me nobody, it was like...
0: nobody really it was a, it was a different mindset totally i mean I, I was the same way with my atari computer it's like you, you you got a box like a box of games showed up my dad would bring it home from work and i was like hey it's games i wasn't really thinking about man i'm ripping off developers by doing this so
1: yeah no no that was far far but do you, do my you head. remember
0: like going into stores do you remember any price tags or anything like that about you know what what amiga games were costing here
1: in the states Oh I think they were even more than than twenty four pounds. I mean I think they were up in the thirties and forty dollars. Okay. Yeah, back then. Yeah, they were and especially like, you know, premium stuff like Shadow of the Beast and the Beautiful Box. Mm -hmm. Those were those were expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always wondered about Shadow of the Beast. Did you have that in the box back in the day?
1: I had the box. I had the T-shirt. You had the shirt. Oh, did yeah. the
0: shirt fit you? I always wondered what size shirt did they put in the box.
1: <laughs> it fit me. I it fit me. I was a little kid, but I was a chubby little kid, and it still fit me. So That's I awesome. guess maybe maybe may a medium or large. You got your It's probably, it's probably medium. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So the developer of Beach Bali was Mark John, and he was also the founder of uh, Ocean France. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about Ocean France later on. Uh, the coder was Mikhail Jan- Janiski. Uh, He is a a Polish fellow uh, who also coded uh, Cabal and Toki. Uh, uh, Ocean France was huge in the uh, arcade licensed game scene. Um, Mikhail went on to uh, be the developer who was the lead programmer on the team that made Neopets. Do you remember Neopets, Bill? I don't. don't, I don't remember Toki, though. Toki's great. Yeah, Neopets is like a much newer thing. This was like a thing that was around in the mid-2000s, and it was one of their earliest kind of internet scams. I remember where people were sending Neopets bucks to each other in exchange for things, and kids were ripping off other kids. It was the first time I remember hearing about that sort of almost Bitcoin-like thing going on in games was Neopets. So I thought I'd stick that in there. Interesting bit of trivia. Cool. Graphics were done by Michel Bach, Philippe Desoli, and Pierre-Éric Loyou. I'm sure all of those French pronunciations totally correct. Mm-hmm. Um, they all worked on Cabal and Ivanhoe. Did you ever play Ivanhoe on the Amiga, Bill? Nope. Yeah, me neither. Never heard of it. Um, Music was done by Jean Baudelot. Uh, He worked for lots of companies. Uh, He did the music for uh, Great Point and Click on the Amiga Cruise for a Corpse for U.S. Gold. He also did uh, some of the music for Flashback. So uh, he was a pretty renowned guy. Now... Ocean France was founded, it was sort of the first offshoot of Ocean proper. Uh, Ocean, of course, was located in Manchester in the UK, and uh, as they were expanding, because they had major, major success with the 8-bit computers, they knew that these 16-bit machines were right around the corner. And uh, they're, they, they, they kind of had this branch studio that they founded in France, and their objective was to code all of Ocean's 16-bit projects with a real focus on licensed arcade ports, because Ocean realized early on that nobody was going to Japan to pick up these licenses, and they could get them for relatively cheap. They could license mm. all these arcade machines and, and really make a few bucks, uh, you know, making Amiga and Commodore 64 and ZX Spectrum ports of uh, arcade games. So, um, in an interview on Code Tapper Amiga's site, uh, Mark says Ocean France frequently started ports before they even knew they had the rights. Uh, They were that confident that Ocean would be able to secure them. Uh, Unfortunately, that ended up backfiring on them later down the line. Um, In the end of the 90s, they started working on uh, games based on Snow Brothers and Liquid Kids. But uh, Ocean never got the rights. Another company kind of snatched them out from under them. So they they had these games pretty much completely released, and then they never got released. So talk about a dangerous game, don't you think? Trying you know programming games before you get the license. That
1: seems super risky to me. You know, it's kind of like starting to starting a movie before you get the rights to the script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, do you think that's ever happened? We somebody's like you know we're gonna do this on spec. Here, what do you think? <laughs>
1: they have they have um no one's ever done like a well maybe i don't know i don't know of a full-blown movie like that but i do know shorts like people uh who don't have the rights to certain things would make uh, a short and try and get the rights to it but they still invest a lot of it a guy named joseph Kahn, one of my favorite music video directors he he made one for um oh my god uh power rangers and it was awesome really oh it's one of my favorite shorts and he got he got in big trouble man (laughs) Yeah, because cuz his Power Rangers movie his short movie was awesome and uh and then when the then the, they were making they were in the process of making like a real like Power Rangers movie mm-hmm. and when they saw uh, Joseph's version they were, they were like out he got banned from like YouTube he got ban- but i think there's still versions version somewhere on Vimeo cuz Vimeo don't care that's right put right. so wherever you want Vimeo <laughs> yeah <laughs> now is a
0: is a cinematographer you're not under any liability if they go after the person making the movie right cuz you're just working for the guy
1: yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, no, it's out of my. Fortunately, I don't, I don't go down with that ship. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, after after that
0: fiasco, the the Snow Brothers and Liquid Kids incident, uh, Ocean UK, uh, sort of dropped the hammer on these guys. And they changed Ocean France from a programming house to a marketing and sales arm of the company. Now, I don't know if it's just a coincidence that this, like, the the the, the license game thing happened at around the same time. But that's, that's sort of the way that I read it. Um, but over the course, you know, between 1986 and 1990, these guys put out a pretty good amount of games, about a dozen games. They did Operation Wolf, Bad Dudes, Cabal, uh, Buster Brothers, Toki. Uh, so pretty good, pretty good amount of games. And again, you want to talk about, you know, like those, those early arcade ports in the life of the Amiga, they all came from ocean and a great deal of them came from ocean France. So pretty cool. Yeah. Toki, um, Toki is one of the best arcade
1: conversions out there. I think Absolutely.
0: That, that yeah. opening sequence with the girl and the ripped dress and everything that's yeah, that's yeah. implanted into my mind. Yeah. Um, they also created is sort of a swan song, uh, in the, in the later part of the nineties, I think it was 94. They created a uh, a Mario esque mascot for Ocean. Uh, I don't know if Ocean requested this or if they just thought it would be a good idea, but they were the ones behind Mister Nuts. Did you ever play Mister Nuts? Oh yeah. For, yeah, that's a great one too. What, yeah. a g- beautifully animated uh, game, yeah. and it's not really you know I think it only got an Amiga release, and a lot of people don't really think about it, but it's it's a it's a great game. Um, so. Anyway, that's a little little bit of history behind I like it. I like it. I'm learning, I'm learning
1: I'm learning I'm learning tonight boat. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know the animation in in uh, in Beach Volley is pretty rad.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. So, let's talk about the lore, the Beach Volley lore. <laughs> so, when you fire up this game, you get a, a cutscene, uh, and this is a it's not really animated. It's just kind of like a series of stills. You've got two boys and they're playing volleyball in a gym. And they're all tricked out in like knee pads and shoulder pads. I think they're even wearing helmets. And this stranger passes by as, as often happens and says, Hey guys, do you want to play in the World Beach Volleyball Cup? And they're like, Yeah. And then before you know it, they jump on a plane and they go to their first competition. Um, what do you think, Bill? You think that you think this is based on a true story?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> sounds great. Sounds like great video game writing. I, I like the idea though, and actually the opening is pretty cool. Like the uh, the artwork is neat, so I like it. It's very comic booky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, so um, basically the way this game works
0: is uh, you uh, aside from that opening scene, and you get a little cutscene where I it sounds very like a, a French person trying to put on an English accent. He says like, "Welcome <laughs> to London," mm-hmm. and boom, you're in London. World home of beach volleyball. I can't tell you, uh, Bill, when I was going to graduate school in England, how many beach volleyball games I just saw. No, I I never saw one. But Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is the world of video games and anything goes. So they're in London. And uh, basically, you travel all around the world. And you are trying to uh, beat, the, you know, these teams from all around the world and reign supreme as beach volleyball champion. So, Bill, when you fired this thing up for the first time, what were your first impressions?
1: Uh, First of all, I mean, I, I love the graphics. I thought the graphics were really cool. And I, I mean, of course, I can't help it. But the, when I hear beach volleyball, it's like Top Gun. You know, like I think it, I think a Top Gun. Um, I thought it was really cool. It seemed a little more sophisticated than like summer games. You know, I was a big summer games, uh, epics fan. I love summer games. I love winter games, world games. I used to play them on my Commodore 64 and my Apple II. But uh, this definitely felt a little more 16-bit. It felt felt a little more premium, a little more advanced to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things right off the bat that you notice going to the 16-bit era is just how big, how much bigger they could make the sprites. Uh, mm. to get a fast-moving game on an 8-bit machine like the Atari or the C64 or even the NES, you have to make your characters small. If they, if you start making them big, they kind of move glacially. Uh, and even in the early Amiga games like Sword of
1: Sodan, those guys were huge, but they didn't exactly
0: move with a lot of speed.
1: No, no, not at all. But I love those big sprites in Sword of Sodan. Oh, yeah. But the animation... Yeah, the, yeah they're awesome. I, that's one of my favorites. I love Sword of Sodan. Yeah, but the, great the animation... Yeah, it is. The animation that was also really good uh in, in Beach Volley. And I can't help but think but the world map reminds me of Street Fighter. Yeah. You know, Street Fighter 2. Like but, even the colors, the color the color palette looks very
0: similar. There's something, you know, there's something from a game design standpoint, as a player, if you can make your way around the map, you know, and you see that world map, there's something that draws you in and gives you a reason to keep playing rather than just going from stage to stage. I think it kind of ties it all together.
1: Yeah, it gives you um a destination and it shows you like all the steps along the way, which is super cool. Yeah. So at least you you know it's coming up because sometimes I'll play a game and I'll have like no idea like am I doing good? Like did how many levels are left? Am I how am I doing? Am I 20% done with this game or like 80%? I don't know. But when you have like a world map, it definitely gives you uh direction and structure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um now in this game, it's not exactly uh, real volleyball rules. Uh, I'm uh, I, I've watched a couple games of volleyball. Being a middle school teacher, uh, we all the band will sometimes play at volleyball games, which is really cool. Um, and uh, and so I take the band. And uh, normally in regular volleyball, I believe you have to serve to get the point. But in this game, it's very streamlined. In this game, mm-hmm. you have to um, basically what you're doing is uh, whenever you if you if you serve and you get a point if the ball lands on the other side of the court you get a point but also if the other team is serving and you manage to defend then you still get the point so the games go by pretty quick also the games only go to seven um so the the game moves by at a pretty quick pace did you appreciate that that faster clip bill?
1: yeah the fast the fast pace is really nice um, you know you reminded me when you said that uh, you know you're working in a school you're teaching at school. Uh, I actually played volleyball in gym class in school, and it was a lot of fun. It certainly was no beach volleyball, but uh, when we were younger, we would start out by you didn't actually have to like tap the ball; you would actually catch the ball because like we were too young to like really play properly. Oh yeah. But then when we got o- when we got older, then we would play uh, by the normal rules. And from what I remember, it was a long time ago now. But from what I remember, not only could you only get a point when you were serving, but um, when you were defending you had to hit the ball twice. Like two different people on your team had to hit the ball and then you could hit it over. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you get that in this game too because you've
0: got the guy that kind of sets you up because the big, you know, with, with any sort of volleyball video game that I've played, what you're essentially doing is you've got the computer controller who's setting you up, who's knocking the ball way, way high in the air so you can jump up 10 to 20 feet in the air and bring the smash down on the other side. When I was a kid, we always called that the spike but in the in the in the nomenclature in the docs they call it a smash. So I don't know if that's a UK versus US thing. Did you always call it a spike? Spike always spike. Yeah. Yeah. So um but anyway, that's that's essentially what you do. Now, uh, the game is like you said it's beautiful, it's big, it's colorful. What I like again, sort of a nod to the Street Fighter 2 is that wherever you go, you see the uh, behind the court Uh, You see a a setting that's reflective of the 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 country that you're in. So for right, you know, if you're watching the video right now, uh, we're uh, watching them play in Japan, and so you have those, uh, you know, that that kind of curved bridge over the river. You have some traditionally uh, architected uh, Japanese houses, some mountains in the background. It's really pretty. Um, Wherever we just got done watching in Arizona, there is it's it's a desert type area, and you see like the cow skulls and stuff like that. Uh, In New York, uh, there's actually Actually, these cutscenes as you play, they're kind of funny. Uh, you see your your two volleyball guys traveling are all around the world in these little single seat planes, and uh the Statue of Liberty actually eats one of your players <laughs> in the cutscene. The cutscenes are very humorous, so it's
1: little things like that that really can elevate a game to a higher level, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the screen right now and the cherry blossoms look great and then the bonsai trees, and but yeah, all those little details and all the humor. It goes a long way because at the end of the day, we just want to have fun and, and play the games. I always like games with humor in it. I remember one of my favorite all time games, not to change the subject, but is uh, Three Stooges from Cinemaware. Mm-hmm. And the, the game opens up with the Defender of the Crown logo. And like, you're like, wait a minute, did I pop in my Defender of the Crown disc by accident? And all of a sudden, the Stooges come out. And, then, and he's like, and uh, I think Larry says, this looks like a kid's game. And then Moe's like, you idiots. And he slaps him. He's like, wrong game. It's just great. I like little details like that, like, add so much color and flavor to your gaming experience oh yeah oh yeah and
0: uh aaron wherever he is right now uh he is uh he's 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 laughing and cheering because he, one of his favorite games is three Sieges two so he's so awesome. he's so happy you said that
1: <laughs> all right so i'm i'm doing i'm doing right by him
0: <laughs> that's right now there's one part of the game bill we've got to talk about <laughs> and that is the naked chick if right. you play uh i believe in uh both the England stage and I think one of the American stages, or maybe it's Paris, that would make sense. And in, 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 on the continent, they're very lax with their with their nudity. Uh you've got a lady just chilling out, one out, one in. Bill, first time you saw that, what'd you think?
1: Well, I mean, I, I haven't played the game. I was I didn't play the game when I was a kid, so I'm an adult. <laughs> so I see it. I see it from a different perspective. If I knew there, if I heard about a game with boobies in it when I was a kid, I definitely would been asking dad for it. You know? <laughs> but I didn't know about this game back then. Um, so, I mean, what I mean, what what I think, I I was looking at it and I was just like, it's it it's strange. It looks it's, really strange and out of place. It's really weird.
0: Honest. You know, it's yeah. it's weird because. You know, everybody in this game, you know, is 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 a quote unquote hot body. You've got chiseled yeah. dudes, you got curvy girls, um, and but it's it's just weird to have just kind of hanging out on the side of the uh, of the court just a, just a lady just being there it, it doesn't really fit with the game i mean i know why i did it they did it because when one boy gets it he's like hey you got to get this game you could check out i don't know exactly how much entertainment you're going to get out of that single pixel but if i remember my teenage years you could probably get a lot out of it so oh yeah
1: yeah no it feels totally out of place now it doesn't definitely uh, doesn't age well yeah <laughs> and uh it doesn't, uh, I just, but it just doesn't fit in. With it doesn't fit in with the, with, yeah. the, with the whole
0: atmosphere of the game. But anyway, yeah. it's there. The, the other thing that's weird about this game is the timer. Um, if we take a look for a second at the uh, comparison between the Atari ST version and the uh, Amiga version, um, hmm. the, uh, the, the Atari ST version has a, a timer. Uh, the Amiga version has a timer, but it's this—it's this constantly rotating. It almost looks like a roulette wheel or a, um, a mini uh, shot revolver. It's got tons of little circles, and they're constantly spinning around. And as you play the game, the circles turn from sort of tan to blue, and that—that that sets your time uh, accordingly. Uh, I found this to be really confusing, and I had to consult the documentation to see exactly what, what this was. Because this is not this would not be my first choice for the timer. What did you think of the timer?
1: I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was weird. It was. I was like, "What is that? Is it a power up? You know, like do you save up your energy and get a stronger spike?" I, that's kind of what I thought it was at first. Yeah. You know, uh, but um, if the I right, maybe for the first time ever, I'll say, "All right, chalk went up for the SD," because this just got a digital clock. It makes a lot more <laughs> sense. So I'm a simple guy. Right. Like the, at least the Amiga ones getting artsy. I like that. But it, but the it, thing that's really cool is, but I really think like check it out. The Amiga graphics look look a lot nicer. I love the shading on the characters better. Yeah, there's so uh, much yeah. more.
0: Uh, I don't know if the technical term is dithering, but there's so you get so much more of a gradient in the different shades of tan on the Amiga characters and the SD characters. Yeah, the
1: ST characters look pretty orange, whereas the Amiga characters have like nice skin tones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So apart from that, though, the game moves at pretty much the same speed.
0: There's not a whole lot of difference between the the the, the drawings of the graphics themselves. The tunes are definitely different. Um, if you play the ST version, uh, the 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 ST has that very distinctive. Uh, I don't want to say bad sounding, but it, it definitely
1: doesn't have the audio fidelity of the of the Amiga. So yeah, you know, the Amiga's I mean the Paula chip is, is fantastic and uh it sounds incredible. Yeah. I yeah. love the I love the Paula chip. Yeah, it's one of the chips in the Amiga never really changed throughout its lifespan.
0: That's true. That's true. Do you think yeah. you know, do you think that was one of the missteps that might have been made when they when they brought out AGA, do you think that they should have done something to update the Paula chip?
1: Uh yeah, I think would that would definitely be cool to have the Paula chip updated for sure, but I um they were focused on the graphics because that's I think that sells the machine more. Like the music, the sound was already really good, mm-hmm. um and uh, they wanted to like really wow people, dazzle people with the graphics. But it uh, definitely would have been great to have a Paula upgrade. Just still, even though it's fantastic, could be better. Yeah, yeah. So looking at the reviews of this, um
0: the magazine reviews were pretty good. Uh, they uh, um Amiga sixty four gave it an eighty eight percent. Um, the, uh, AUI gave it an eight out of 10. Um, the only, the only magazine that really reviewed it poorly was Amiga Power. Now they're doing something that they do a lot in, in these Amiga magazines where they will wait two or three years after a game comes out and then they'll just totally kill it. As if no time has passed between the time it was released and the time of the review. But they said, don't let the cartoon graphics trick you into buying this poorly disguised variation on a poor tennis game. So Amiga Power, they hated it, which I thought was weird. Because I wouldn't call this a variation on a tennis game. I mean, this is is volleyball. I mean, would you change anything about this game to make it more like volleyball, do you think?
1: not really i mean i don't i don't know where that reference comes from also when i think of tennis games i think of like a vertical orientation versus a horizontal i know i think in television tennis if i'm not mistaken is a horizontal Mm -hmm. but most of the other like tennis games i played for some reason are are vertical right Uh, well i I think it's it's just it's easier to gauge the depth uh you know when
0: you when a shot's coming towards you if it's if it's count if it's you know if the screen is in that that orientation um So we we also got some uh, reviews from our Discord community about this game. Uh, We'll start things off with uh, Lord Soup. He says, A formative Amiga experience for me. I'm pretty sure I played this among the first games I experienced on the Amiga. I probably play this with my best Liam Gallagher Rose Specs on, but I still get a blast out of it. Graphics are nice, if not exceptional. Sound is okay, but I really enjoy the gameplay. Two buttons would have made this play more fluid, but otherwise a game I have a lot of sentimentality for. Fun enough alone, but enhanced with a friend you can roll the computer together with. A solid 7 out of 10, the kind of 7 that a format is glad it has many of. Lobsterminator writes, this game has the most beautiful gold shaded title graphic I've seen. <laughs> the volley word is just perfect. You know, let's go back for a second, Bill, and talk about this. This is uh, you know, I have very few dislikes about this game. My main dislike is whenever you load this game up, you have to wait for this solid gold trophy to slowly <laughs> descend. I mean, this is, it's you can't skip this. It's coming. <laughs>
1: It's yeah, still, it's also strange too. Like, what is it's like these bodies? Kind of yeah, you, up you, these two intertwined
0: strange. bodies. Yeah, this yeah, is not yeah. the image that I would open my game with. I think no, <laughs> it, it doesn't just, say volleyball to me. You know, no, it speak. it's like it some, maybe some sort of like Greco-Roman wrestling, or I don't know, or maybe some sort of a uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. But anyway, that is the uh, that that's one of my my few complaints about this. Um, Lobsterminator goes on to write. He says this was still close to the Top Gun era, so you play as men. Teenage boys were titillated with some background ladies, going as far as including some toplessness. Some years later, demonstrated in recent ARG Presents game Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball, game designers realized that men were not required in the game at all for the target audience. That's true. Um, It is a relatively simple game to learn, but it was good fun, especially in two-player mode. The graphics are very distinct and well-drawn, and the presentation is overall polished. This is a rare game I could imagine being ported from computers to an arcade cabinet back then. And finally, Pajaco6502 writes, Had I played this before? I can't tell. It all seemed very familiar, and yet I don't remember playing it. The music is very similar to Operation Stealth, and it is from the same composer, so maybe it's that. It's got sounds, it's got the graphics, and even some partial nudity, albeit in pixelated form. Gameplay can be a little iffy here and there, especially camera positioning. I had times where the ball disappeared off the top of the screen because I was further to one one side of the court where the giant people live, so it was difficult to judge the ball location. And similarly, when the opponents have the ball, you can't really see your side of the court, so it's tricky to position your player to defend a smash volley. Although I initially disliked it, I came to enjoy the beach volley in the end. But clearly, I suck at this because I utterly failed to win a match after 45 minutes of playing. Probably a better two-player game than against the computer, which is too hard at the start, but still a good game to check out. Seven out of ten. Bill, where would you rate this one? What are your final thoughts?
1: You know, I gotta, to be honest, I gotta spend a little more time with it. Um, I a seven out of ten is a pretty, pretty good, pretty good number. I like that. But one thing I also want to add in there is they're talking about, you know, two-player it being a great two-player game, and just don't forget this is actually on Amiga Live. It's on AmigaLive.com and uh, playing this game you know, online with a friend would take it to a whole nother level. Because I, I agree, like it's this much better two-player. And you know, if you're not at Boat Fest and you, know, you don't have some friends around, you can just fire up the Amiga Live and, and play some two-player beach volley. And I think you know, it's a much better experience. Absolutely. Well, that's
0: gonna do it for beach volleyball. Welcome to Retro Rewind. I'm your host, British Jones. Whether you enter the Amiga, Commodore 64, or Tiger Floral print speed suits, Retro Rewind has all you need from the friendly hosers of the Great White North. Looking to upgrade your Amiga? Check out the Amiga OS 3.2.2 Kickstart ROM for just $18. Or maybe you need a C64 or C128 Diagnostic Harness. Grab one. Wow, they're hot. Don't miss our bestsellers like the 1541 Transit Card for just $1. Or the incredible Amiga Coin Cell Battery Adapter. Shop now at Retro Rewind Limited. And bring your classic computers back to life. Retro Rewind Limited. Frank's the man. Amiga News. All right, Bill. It's been a busy week in the world of Amiga News. Let's dive right in. We're starting with the biggest news to come out of the Amiga laptop scene in quite some time. Our good friend Ravi Abbott has created an Amiga 600 so Lego laptop. My- Have you seen this, Bill?
1: Uh, you know, Ravi sent me some pictures of it, and it looks awesome. It looks really, really cool. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever, did you ever
0: toy with the idea of uh, of an Amiga, la- or was there, you know, back in the day? I'm sure. Did Commodore
1: ever tease rumors of a of a portable Amiga? Yeah, I believe there was something called the Paws, right? And that was the portable Amiga. And there's actually, our friend Mike has got one in Westchester Amiga user group. Oh, wow. And it's a, yeah, it's really cool. It's an Amiga 1200 in, inside of a portable case. And one of these days, I'm going to get over to Mike's house and I'll do a little video about it. But, That's got to be yeah, ultra, we, ultra rare. It's very rare, yes. Now, it wasn't a Commodore product. It was a third-party product. but mm-hmm. it was, Like a Bodega it was like, Bay like, type thing. Yeah, it was a real thing. So the pause is very, very cool. And, yeah, you know, we always wanted to have uh, an Amiga laptop back then. I remember the idea of being able to bring a computer anywhere was just mind boggling. Same thing like with phones. Like I remember the first time I saw a cordless phone. I'm like, wow, you could actually like be outside and be on the phone. That's amazing. <laughs> it, it's well. amazing the stuff that we totally yeah. take for granted now that if you yeah. would have showed like
0: kid version of us, they would have been blown yeah. away. yeah yeah. so ravi takes you through and he shows you every little thing that went into this and this was a multi-year project i mean i remember talking to ravi at Amiga ireland the first time uh that i went in in 2019 and he was he was still working on this a big challenge of course is just powering this thing with all these these little tiny batteries and everything um so hats off to ravi for making his dream a reality and i totally dig the lego case i think it's perfect For a project like this, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, what he comes up with
1: next. Uh, that's really cool. I dig it. I dig it. The closest thing I've seen recently to an Amiga laptop is uh, our friend Pierre in uh, Westchester Amiga User Group. He had this uh, this laptop shell for the Raspberry Pi, mm-hmm. and he built a really cool like Amibian build for his Raspberry Pi, and put that in the in the laptop case that's designed for Raspberry Pi. And that oh, was, so that was cool. a really cool project. Yeah, that was cool. But not as cool as a Lego case, but it was cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Next up, we got some gaming news from our good buddy, uh, Neil, over at Indie Retro News. You know, Indie Retro News, is there a better source for what's new and hot in the Amiga gaming scene, Bill? Not that I know of. No. love
1: Indie Retro News. No. You're, Neil's you're, on it. Yeah.
0: And so our first story is this game, Chopper Duel, it bills itself as the ultimate two-player air combat
1: game. Have you heard of this one, Bill? Yeah, you know, I fired this one up on my stream last week, and it's really cool. The thing is, it's it's strictly two-player. Mm-hmm. So I was here, like, I had two joysticks in my hand, and I was like, this is really <laughs> neat, but you, it really needs to be two, you know, you really need two people. So here, and, uh, another great one for, for Amiga Live. It, it definitely has, like, Space Taxi vibes. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. did you ever play uh, Biplane Duel on the Amiga? i played duel as oh I, you know what i do remember it but i, I never this I is it, it, it.
0: it's it's that type of game that immediately comes to mind for me because it's the same thing where it's like you you spend at least half your time just dying while you're crashing but you're laughing while you're doing it because it's <laughs> so fun and you're right this definitely has some space taxi vibes to it uh can yeah, you actually well. land your helicopter anywhere
1: besides the pads or is it can I, you, think, I i i don't know I, you know i would last week i was so focused on trying to like play with two hands <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: you couldn't I, really concentrate I, on the on yeah, the yeah. uh the, the details but no, anyway no.
1: this is available i believe it yeah is
0: a- available now uh and uh you can check it out and download it from a i079's itch page so check that out our next story bill mm-hmm. is skin vaders that sounds oh, creepy yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had some fun with this one boat. Tell stream. tell us yeah, about yeah, you know, fun.
0: you I, I'm so glad that you're on the show this week, Bill, because you actually played a bunch of these games on your stream last week. So tell us
1: about Skin Vaders. Yeah, Skin Vaders is really cool and the the the, the nice thing about Skin it's I, I was having some fun on my stream. <laughs> with the whole skin thing, you know. <laughs> but anyway, when when you when you're thinking about skins, you're thinking about like reskinning the game, like reskinning your your Amiga amp or your Win amp. Yeah. And yeah. the the really neat thing is, uh, you can change the sprites and you can change the background image very easily. They're all just they're just like little files that come with the game. So like basically, there's uh, there's like nine different slots, I believe. So like slots one through six are they come with the game and they're pre-programmed. Like on the screen right now, I see the like the the, the circuit board theme but then there's empty slots for 7 8 and 9 and uh you can make your own background so i didn't get to make my own sprites but i i did make my own background i took a, a cool picture of my my dad's turntable his Technics SP15 turntable and i made that as the background it just uses a regular like amiga iff file it's an 8 color i don't remember the resolution it's pretty low resolution it's like but it's uh it's 8 color and um i made the, the so i made the record as a background and then I'm, i want to change the enemies into like final record so i think that'll be cool oh man (laughs) so this is uh, basically like a
0: build your own space invaders clone
1: yeah exactly and you don't need to know any programming all you need to know is how to make like the iff images which is super cool
0: that's so cool that's so cool and this is available uh on electric black sheep's itch page so you can check that out and of course all of these links are available on the uh, amiga news or subreddit so you can check those out uh, it's
1: uh electric back cheap does really great stuff they're making some really neat what do you know making.
0: offhand do you know something else that they've done
1: yeah they they really like those top down uh space games i can't remember the name of it just, okay <laughs> yeah let's so check yeah, they, it,
0: let's just check uh, out their page real quick yeah
1: yeah no they, they're doing some really cool stuff um let's see what you pull up there so i'm on a little bit of a delay get rid of that out there skin invaders it's funny. I play so many games. Sometimes they all kind of... It looks quests, like Pro-
0: Project yeah. Horizon.
1: Is that one you have tried? Yes. Project Horizon. None of us. None of us is really cool. None of us uses uh, Half Bright mode. Oh. So like you. you yeah. You're. It's like a top down. Like a three quarter top down. No. I think none of us might be just top down but it uses a half bright mode so like you can like look into the shadows and see the enemies coming in the shadows it's holy really cow that's so yeah. cool and there, you know not a lot of games
0: use that half bright mode uh that now. the amiga offers so it's always awesome when people people pull that out this looks like it's based off of um among us right isn't that the
1: uh these yeah, guys yeah yes, yeah yes. so
0: pretty cool that's awesome
1: yeah now a lot of their games are like works in progress like tech experiments. Mm-hmm. Um so they're they're just like here's like a, a level that's not finished but we're working on it like we're checking out the half right mode. So I hope they finished all of them because they're they're really cool. And yeah it really, looks like looks classes. like a
0: good mix of games and demos and they're getting all, all kinds of what do you know where they're located electric black sheep? Uh I don't know. I don't know where they're located.
1: Yeah. Yet. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. They're located in the land of awesome. That's right. Heck yeah. <laughs>
0: Next up Tenebra two Tenebra two.
1: Do you know anything about this one, Bill? I played this one too. Mo. <laughs> line them up and shoot them down, baby. Yeah, yeah. This is really neat. So this game is really interesting because it's it's a puzzle game, but it's a maze puzzle game. And so basically, your character is afraid of the dark, and so you can only walk in areas that are illuminated. And then you have there's so in order to like extend the area of illumination, you have to pick up a torch. And when you have the torch, you can you can walk around because you're illuminating the area. But then there's there's um you can't bring torches through the doorways. So you kind of have to like place torches in strategic spots so then you can like go through the doorway and then pick up a torch on the other side of the wall. And then there's keys because some of the doors need keys. So it starts to get like really, there's lots of layers to it. It starts to get very complex. But it's a really cool take on a puzzle game. You know, when I think of puzzle games, I think more of like, you know, like board games, like board puzzle games or memory games. But this is like a cool twist on it because it's a it's like a top-down maze game. It reminds me a little bit of like the original Castle Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, except it's a puzzle game. Yeah, uh, now I, I is really is there
0: it. any yeah. combat in this or are you just kind of avoiding the enemies?
1: Uh I never never I haven't gotten that far. I never got to any combat. It was okay. really more just like solving the puzzles, how to how to get out of the the how to get out of the level. I and love and the the fog of
0: war so. effect too with like the light emanating from your your torch or whatever. Yeah. That's that's super cool. And Yeah. Listen, I, how great is it to be a fan of a platform where you've got everything from the graphical fidelity of like that? Oh, what's the, of like devil's temple or something like that, where it looks like it just jumped out of an arcade machine. And then you've got something really, really stripped back black and
1: white minimalist, but still beautiful in its own way. Yeah. it, It doesn't matter. Number of colors, shading, all that matters. Like art is art can be beautiful, whether it's black and white or lots of different colors and games. You know, I was, of course, I love playing games that look beautiful. That's one of the things that attracted me to the Amiga. But at the end of the day, it's like, is it fun to play? That's yeah, all that matters. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, speaking <laughs> of games that are fun to play, uh, you know, there's there's this new hotness that's in it's taken over the YouTube scene these days. This is the Evercade. Are are you familiar with the old Evercade, um, Bill?
1: Yeah, you know, I I never I don't have an Evercade, but I know that they uh, released. The uh, Amiga collection for it. Yeah, yeah. So the Evercade, this is a,
0: to be honest with you, this is a product that is not for me. I I don't understand the, the allure of having a system, you know, paying for a system that can play all the games that I can already play. But mm-hmm. listen, there's people there's there's something for everybody in this big wide yeah. world. And if you're one of those people that love to collect the Evercade line of games, you love line them up on the shelf. I mean, there's something to be said. I like a good shelf full of games. Don't get me wrong. You're going to want to check out the Team 17 collection. Uh, this is mad little pixel has done a review of this thing and uh, the, you know team 17 talk about a murderer's row of games that these guys have released probably most famous for worms but they've also got body blows uh, alien breed uh, do, you, do you have a favorite team 17 game bill
1: oh boy oh man there's so many good ones I, maybe i go alien breed it kind of depends how i'm feeling but alien breed it's hard to be alien breed i, yeah. I love alien breed yeah yeah oh, it's oh, rock yeah, hard project- though alien breed yeah. doesn't mess around it no it doesn't it doesn't yeah so um, you can project x is rad. project x was team 17 right yeah yeah project x yeah, i was just yeah. showing that on there yeah, yeah okay yeah it's, project it's- x was probably my favorite well if project x or alien breed i don't know i like them both mm-hmm.
0: for me it's it's got to be worms i'm just i'm all in uh, on yeah, the worm yeah. stuff yeah. okay <laughs> But I can uh, with that.
1: Worms is awesome. And
0: I, I always forget about Quack. I forgot that Quack was a Team 17 game, but it, it, they made that one too. So uh, this looks like a killer collection, um, and uh, it is available now on your Evercade device. Evercade's got a cool design. It's got, it's got some Famicom vibes. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. they were going for that with that, that yeah. red, red and white. Um, And finally... This is a, a video that uh, our Discord community member, HSI, turned me on to. He's a big synth guy. I don't know anything about synthesizers, except I think they sound cool. I'm real into like that uh, sort of like retro synth sound where like the, the instrument's not quite in tune. It's kind of warbly and stuff like that. I love that old analog synth stuff. And apparently, the Amiga has a rich tradition of, uh, of doing software synthesis, in you know on on the system itself have you dug into a lot of this type of stuff bill
1: no you know i i didn't i can tell you this video is awesome though i know paulie put a lot of effort into this video and i i love synthesizers too but it's so funny like when it comes to music i i really love music Mm -hmm. but i know nothing about creating it (laughs) i i i I could tell you a quick story i was i I used to take trombone lessons and i was terrible yeah fellow trombone player yeah, no, not you're. Uh, no, I'm not a fellow trombone player. But I tried, <laughs> and I knew, but I knew how bad I was. Like, it pained me to practice, come home and practice the trombone because I'm like, this is a waste of time. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> One day I was out in the in the yard play, at school playing, you know, at my lunch break, and mm-hmm. my next class was the music class, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, the, the teacher blew the whistle. I was on my way back into the school, and I slipped and fell in mud. Oh and my god! I gosh. was like covered in mud, covered in mud, and I, was, I went to Catholic school uh and went in grammar school so i had like my uniform on and mm-hmm. i was just covered it looked like i just had like i have like a mud wrestling oh, tournament and, and i was like I, so i go with the music teacher oh i'm sorry i don't think i can make it to class because i'm covered in mud and i need to like go home and get dressed and he's like he's like don't worry about it And he's like you know what don't bother coming back ever. Oh no, Cause you, that's suck, awful. Because you suck at the trombone, kid. <laughs> and I, but I was like, respect, I, I I hate this thing and I never want to go back to the class anyway. So it was like a mutual agreement and then I never had to go to music class ever again. And that was the end of my, my musical career. Oh, well, I hate that for you, Bill. But, you know, they, it,
0: it's experiences like that that's made you the man you are today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But I love, you know, I'm a huge fan of synthesizers. Um, you know, like electronic music is wonderful. I even love things like the, theremin that's amazing and i love i just old music equipment looks so cool and all those like modular synths yeah i don't even know like exactly anything with tons on. of
0: knobs and stuff yeah. on
1: it i mean i'm yeah. in i'm in i don't care I, what it i does. want knobs i want knobs i want buttons mm-hmm. and and wires lots of wires yeah it's cool lights yeah. that
0: sort of pulsate like once every couple seconds they just come on for no reason at all no reason i can think of so but I'm anyway guy. what's the name guy. of the guy that put this together
1: paul paulie alex
0: bow Pauly, Pauly Alex awesome. Bow. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, this, this channel Magical Synth Adventure. I checked out a couple of the other uh the videos and man, great stuff. Great stuff. If you, I'm a lot like you, I don't know anything about how synths work, but I just love putting it on and listening to it and talk about it. It's great.
1: Yeah. Pauly, Polly will be performing at Kickstart01. Uh, really coming up in July. Yeah, the after party. Polly Hoffman and there's someone else too. I don't know their name off the top of my head. Fantastic. Yeah. That's gonna be that's yeah. gonna be something. You know, we should talk yeah. a little
0: bit about that since that we're just a couple weeks away uh i'm trying to think about uh what the what the url is for that um oh, fun fact, too paulie's also doing music for our k dreams documentary it's in nottingham right kickstart mega Nottingham. yeah there we go mega uk yeah. expo kickstart so this thing is only a couple weeks away tickets are still available are right, well, i'm you're not going to be
1: able to make this one are you bill unfortunately not i'm going to be i need to be in la like the day after for yeah. a job so, yeah
0: You want to talk about a, you know, we're going to talk about Boatfest in a, in a, in a second, but Boatfest is the minor leagues compared to what Ravi has lined up in terms of just Amiga star power, um, at this, at this thing. Uh, this is going to be on the Meadow Lane football ground and he's bringing in all the heavy hitters, Mike Daly from DMA design guys from bullfrog core, John Hare from sensible, uh, this is the first one of these and I can only imagine that this thing is just going to be off the charts. Awesome. Uh, I know that Ravi's put in a tremendous amount of work trying to, uh, to put this thing together, essentially from the ground up. It always kind of floored me that Amiga or that Ireland had a big Amiga festival every year, but England didn't have anything that was, you know, truly an Amiga only event until this thing came along. So, um, you know, I, if you Bill, do you think that America could handle an amiga only exhibition like this absolutely i do yeah yeah maybe yeah, one I, one of these days uh we'll, we'll have to maybe maybe you and i and and some other people can join forces to put, put put a show on i'm sure that
1: there's enough amiga fans here in the states that we could we can make something happen i actually it's funny i had this conversation exactly one week ago this time with uh one of my friends um say Amiga forty, New York City, take it back to the place where it all began, yeah, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's uh <laughs> when when is this? See the fortieth is in two years, right? It is. It yeah. Is. So we got uh, yeah. plenty of time to plan. Man, yeah, if that happens, Bill,
1: I'm in. I'm there, buddy. I know nothing about organizing events. I would need a lot of help with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got
0: plenty of time plenty of time to plan it. So it'd be good. I'm sure yeah. it's easy. There's probably no permits involved in, in doing anything in
1: New York. It's probably piece of cake you know we used to have uh, Ami expo in new york city we used to have world of commodore in new york city so we had lots of good commodore and amigo trade shows in the city back back in the day that's going to do it for the amiga news
0: this week so i thought we'd take a quick gander over at uh the amigos retro gaming youtube page to see what's been going on and we released quite a few videos this past week uh the first one is uh on uh the uh amigos uh evil twin show at the atari st show we took a look at speedball uh speedball is a game that doesn't get a lot of hype uh because of its sequel but you know in my opinion i think speedball one is a more fun game to play because it's a little bit less frantic there's fewer people on the field do you have a preference of speedball one or speedball two uh bill
1: you know it's funny it's funny boat i'm a speedball one guy i mean i love speed yeah i love speedball two but i kind of got into speedball two Later in life, you know, like I got, I was more, when I was a kid, like I was a speedball one guy with my Amiga 500. I mean, I love speedball too, but I think when it came out, it was almost like too much for me. Speedball one was just like a little simpler, a little more basic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speedball two, uh, when with the screen moving around and stuff, it got crazy. Although these days, maybe I go speedball two these days, but I love the simplicity of speedball and it starts out nice and easy and it it ramps up the difficulty when you're doing like the league mode well. And uh, I, I, speedball one's fantastic. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, Speedball 2 is pretty rad though. <laughs> um, Still one of the best.
0: And then it was Double Your Pleasure this week on ARG Presents. Uh, Brent and Aaron took a look at games for the VTech Creative Vision. You ever hear of the VTech Creative Vision before? No, never. <laughs> you know, ARG presents is all about putting a spotlight on the uh, the the obscure, the unusual, and the VTech Creative Vision is nothing if not obscure and unusual. It had uh, two uh, paddle controllers that are sort of like in television controllers, but you put them in the housing on the console, and they formed a keyboard that you could type on. Cool. yeah yeah pretty pretty cool until you actually try and type on it and yes. you realize it's a membrane <laughs> it's keyboard and it's <laughs> it's yeah. not a good time but the thought uh, was in the right place yeah definitely a for effort there and finally the arg presents team took a look at sword and sorcery games they looked at wizards and warriors on the NES and castle warrior on the amiga you have you played castle warrior bill No, I haven't. Yeah, this is a new one for me, too, so uh, make sure you check that out. All of these videos are available on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel. All right, Nice one. It's time to talk about what's going down next week. That's right. One week from today, the second annual BoatFest Retro Computing Exhibition will be going down in downtown Hurricane, West Virginia. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is BoatFest? Well, BoatFest is a place where lovers of old computers get together, set up their machines, sit around, maybe consume a couple adult beverages, and just frivolity and mirth and laughter and gaming for two solid days. How's that sound, Bill? Sounds like heaven. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's pretty much it's pretty much what it is um you can go over to whoops, let's, let's get the bot uh, out of the way there um i'm just going to play a little bit of this video this was last year's boat fest uh, last year, we held the Boat Fest in the conference room of the uh, Holiday Inn Express. Uh, that was the uh, the the room that we could get at the time. This year, we have totally outgrown it. We had about 20 people last year. This year, we're expecting close to 50. Uh, we got people coming from England, two guys coming from England. Shout out to Pajako and Mitsuyama. Shout out to Graham W. Vebke for flying all the way from Australia to come to wow. Boat Fest. Can wow. you imagine? Um, and of course, we're going to be doing gaming tournaments. We're going to have live uh, broadcasts of Amigos, Ask the Amigos, and ARG Presents. Uh, we're going to have Boat Fest Trivia. You can see Frank from Retro Rewind up there participating in Boat Fest Trivia. We'll have live performances of the Sprite Castle broadcast from Rob Flack O'Hara. There will be high score competitions. There will be every single old obscure computer you can ever think of hooked up. Guys, you're not going to want to miss this, and we do have a couple tickets left. Tickets are still available at BoatFest.info. If you're interested, it's only 30 bucks for the weekend. Get you in. Uh, and on Sunday, we're going to take a special field trip down to Huntington, the next town over, and we're going to visit the uh, Old North Barcade, play some fun arcade games,
1: and, uh, and, and just have some more fun. Uh, but that's awesome. Kudos to you for putting this together. It reminds me kind of like of a Westchester Amiga user group meeting, but like on steroids. It sounds super cool, man. Yeah. Good yeah. job to you for putting this together. It's awesome. I was so, dude. You can. You're totally qualified to play an Amiga 40 in the USA. Hey, let's get together. Let's. I, I can help <laughs> you out, man. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Sweet. I, I got a WAG meeting going. I was, I was supposed to have a WAG meeting last summer um and then and then uh my dad went, went to the hospital that the weekend i was wanting to do it and then it all went downhill from there unfortunately but now you know it's time to rebound and i would love to do some kind of walk event even if it's small this summer yeah yeah and bill why
0: don't you uh take some time and tell us a little bit about what you do every week
1: what i do every oh okay sure um i do i do live amiga streams here on twitch i stream sunday at 2 p.m eastern time that's new york time that's where i live that works out to be what six o'clock. I got my thing. It's like six o'clock uh, in in UK. Uh, no, six o'clock Greenwich Mean Time. Seven o'clock in the UK. Eight o'clock uh, in European time. And you know uh, we have a good time over there. It's a lot of fun. I do Amiga news. I play the classic games. I play the new games. My favorite thing to do is to have guests on my stream. I'm gonna have two like amazing guests this Sunday. It's gonna be an absolute blast. Uh, absolute Amiga legend. Uh, I. The first thing I need to do, both to prepare for this stream, is learn how to pronounce my guest's name right. <laughs> but but I've got uh Yo-Gare, one of the one of the like the legends, Amiga musician legends. He's coming on along with Peter Clark. Uh, they are part of a new, a, a new I'll call it a record, a, a record, or it's a, it's a it's a music compilation called Encore 500. That's available on Spotify, and it's a, a bunch of super talented Amiga musicians like Yogair and Peter. And uh, I think P Cannon as well. They all got together and they remixed some classic Amiga tunes, and it's called Encore 500. So I'm gonna have those two guys on. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it and find, learn about it, learn about the process, talk about the songs that were chosen. But it's a really it's a it's a world class production that they put together, and the music is just awesome. So those guys are gonna be on, and uh, I'm also gonna give away two kicket, uh two tickets to Kickstart. Thanks to Retro Passion, wow. Retro Passion, yeah, donated two tickets for Sunday. Uh, and he's like, dude, I here's two tickets, just raffle them off. So I'm gonna do it. Two tickets for for uh, Kickstart 01 one uh, Sunday, the Sunday, because Saturday sold out. So we got two tickets for Sunday to raffle off. So if you if you're you know if you want to head to Kickstart, thinking about it on the fence, you know maybe be a little expensive, whatever. Boom, pop into the stream Sunday and maybe maybe uh, you'll be a lucky winner. That's fantastic. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna
0: do it for this week's Amigos. We will see you next time, and until then, adios amigos is made possible by contributions from listeners like you patreon supporters help choose the games we play receive exclusive magnets and get access to the amigos retro gaming discord server visit patreon.com slash amigos podcast if you'd like to support the show and join our community